important traffic news that can't help you because you're someplace where a TV is. But first, get ready, Quahog, because Barry Manilow will be performing this weekend at the Quahog Performing Arts Center. <laughs> Barry Manilow. What a joke. So stupid. And boring as hell. Yeah, no kidding. You couldn't pay me to go to that thing. Hey, you know what we should do? We should go, just as a goof. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, just look at all the idiots. All the dumbass Manilow fans. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got like one good song. Yeah, I mean, Mandy is not terrible. Yeah, the opening's okay. And I guess you can't hate Copacabana. Yeah, if you're in the right mood. Daybreak is a good song. Oh, yeah. That's a good song. And I like Weekend in New England. Yeah, that's a good one. Looks like we made it. Yeah, it's not bad, right? I love Barry Manilow. Oh, my God, he's the best! I have everything he's ever recorded! Me, too! In my car! We have to go to that concert! We are going to that concert! And I'm ready to take a chance again Ready to put my love on the line with you Been living with nothing to show for it You get what you get when you go for it Today is going to be a very, um, well, it's going to be a very strange episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I continue to be your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and it's appropriate that the opening of that, of this particular episode, features uh, cartoon characters. It features um, the cast's of uh, Family Guy discussing their not-so-secret love of Barry Manilow. And it's uh, it's really, um, it's the subject, the not-so-secret love is the subject of today's episode. Today we're going to be talking about Barry Manilow. I grew up in the 70s, as I've said on the show many times, and in truth, uh, Barry Manilow was a huge, huge star. Uh, he was born Barry Allen Pincus in June of 1943 in Brooklyn and became an Emmy, Tony, and Grammy-winning star. Very nearly won an Oscar, too. I th- he was nominated for Ready to Take a Chance Again, the song that our uh, cartoon quartet were singing um, from the movie Foul Play. And he was a voice, either musically I mean, like his actual voice or his songwriting voice was something you just didn't escape in the 70s. Um, Hits were beginning for him in um, the mid-70s. In the early 70s, he was writing television jingles, of all things. Uh, He wrote um, commercial jingles for things like Band-Aid or McDonald's or Pepsi. He even has one particular uh, jingle that's used to this day. He wrote the Like a Good Neighbor, State Farm is There jingle, which continues to be used some 40-some years later in commercials. He was paid a flat $500 fee for it and was happy to get it, but oh my goodness, what a windfall for State Farm. As I said, his actual... um, 
songwriting dominance. His big career in the 70s began in January of 1975 when Mandy became a number one hit for him. An inescapable, huge hit, and the first of many. He had 51 top 40 hits and sold 80 million records at his height. And then, well, the transition from the 70s to the 80s was a difficult one. It's difficult for a lot of performers. So let me back this up just a touch. As I said, growing up as a child of the 70s, you um, music had shifted. The musical taste had shifted. The musical style had shifted. And in the 70s, the singer-songwriter was prominent. Um, singer-songwriters like James Taylor... Um, Jim Croce, perhaps, Paul Simon, Barry Manilow, Billy Joel. They were earnest and soulful. They sang from places of deep emotion. They sang from the heart. And they snared the hearts of listeners for the entirety of the 70s. It was a, it was a wonderful time for that. It was the transition from the 70s to the 80s that was difficult. As I surely don't have to tell you, the 80s was about glamorous, ready-for-TV performers instead of um, the singer-songwriter, the troubadour. Uh, It became more about your attitude and your spirit, your youthful vigor and your fashion than it was the earnestness uh, and the emotion that you gave. And And that's a little sad. Uh, because that kind of sentiment uh, shifted things for fans of Barry Manilow's music and for the pop charts. It was not at all uncommon to hear lots of Barry Manilow on the radio. Uh, And (laughs) boy, I sure did, because like a lot of people in the 70s, my mother adored Barry Manilow, thought He was fantastic, and uh, for those of you who feel like watching on YouTube, you can find younger people who are discovering Barry Manilow today, and um, it's a soothing tonic for our troubled times. But when the 70s transitioned into the 80s, it it was a difficult time for the singer-songwriter. Uh... The new, the new style was not just in music, it was in everything. I kept using the term earnest and soulful and, and truthful and sweet and um, a great deal of Barry Manilow's catalog could be described thusly. The problem is that as the 70s turned into the 80s, a new irritating emphasis was made on um, machismo. <laughs> and so suddenly, the singer-songwriter, the the earnest, emotional performer, was seen as um, soft, weak, feminine, perhaps. And it's unfortunate because um, that sort of um, that ability to get lost in your emotional state is important to people. I don't think there's anything wrong with addressing something sweet. 
I'm trying to remember. I think it was, of all people, I think it was current Batman Robert Pattinson who once said that the only people, when they talk about being a method actor, they only talk about it when they're playing bad guys so they can be jerks to people on the set. Nobody's ever playing an incredibly sweet character and becomes a method actor who treats everybody with unbelievable kindness and warmth. And that's what brings us to the uh, Barry Manilow. He just wasn't in fashion anymore. And it's truly unfortunate. I have a lot of very strong memories of him as a child, as a young person, of uh, seeing him on New Year's Rock and Eve every, uh, every year uh, playing another New Year's Eve or uh, hearing his theme on American Bandstand every week. He was... He was an omnipresent part of the the mid to late 70s, and overnight it was gone. He's still performing. In the 90s, he kind of transitioned to more jazz and standards artist, which I think plays to his strengths very well, and um, is still a vigorous performer. And his fan base is every bit as dedicated as they ever were. They call themselves Fanalos, which is incredibly cute. And um, they're just as dedicated to Barry as, uh, as they ever were. And God bless him. I'm glad. I'm glad that he sees this level of warmth and love coming from people because he... He got very quickly ignored by pop culture once the 80s really began in earnest. One last 80s um, thing to mention is that he did a CBS TV movie of his famous song Copacabana in 1985. It starred him and Joseph Bologna and Annette O'Toole. Annette O'Toole playing Lola, the showgirl with the feathers in her hair and a dress cut down to there. And he decided he wanted to play Rico. And I absolutely have to see this movie. I have to. This is one of those no guilty pleasures movies that is out there. I I cannot wait to see it. I don't have a copy of it. Amazon has one copy for $74. It, the screenplay is by James Lipton. Songs by Barry Manilow. It was directed by Warren Hussein, who directed the very first episode of Doctor Who. Come on. I have to see this. I have to. Anybody, if you've seen Copacabana, if you know where I can find a copy, help me, because this is too good to miss. It really is. Yes, 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 there is a campy, cheesy factor to the um, the Barry Manilow fandom, and I get that, and I understand that it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, but the people who like him, love him. And some of these people have uh, resisted saying that they love him for a long time. And then some... We'll just come right out and say it. I mentioned that clip at the very beginning of the episode of uh, Family Guy. Family Guy's creator and voice actor Seth MacFarlane is an unashamed fan of Barry Manilow and has dropped references to Barry in fam- all throughout Family Guy and in his science fiction series, The Orville. 
So sometimes all you need is just a high-level fanalo to make you feel better about your fandom. I dedicate this episode to my late mother, who was a huge fan of Barry, and to Barry Manilow himself. He may not have written the song, I Write the Songs, but he is music, and I'll be listening. Until next time, this is little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and I'll see you next time with No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and The Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth. Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and The Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.